Now, I've been privileged on in the past to do a number of these cassettes in this fine, excellent series, but I believe this has got to be a first for you. Well, it's a first for me as far as the video cassette series uh, you're talking about, but I'll tell you what, I think it's a great way for the people, the fans out there, the WWF, to keep something for posterity, something that they can perhaps buy, and something that they can perhaps have forever and ever, unless you fall victim to a kleptomaniac. From Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 32nd episode of GFA Live. I'm your host, Peter Winston, and I'm going to waste no time bringing in my guest, my co-host, my compadre at this time. This being the 32nd episode, that number just reminds me of O.J. Simpson. And I got to admit, I have a murderous splitting headache right now, and I hope that the cure for what ails me is sitting down doing a wrestling podcast slash Karate Kid 2 recap. With my good pal, Keithy Langston. How are you? I'm great, Keithy. I mean, the only other cure for your headache or what ails you would be more cowbell. But, you know, at this point, I don't know if we can do that. I, I'm pretty sure cowbell would exa- exacerbate my headache and would almost certainly make it worse. Because uh. I, I sat through uh, the New England professional football team. I, I'm not even sure I can call them the Patriots anymore. But while I love Cam Newton, I love... Uh, um, Jacoby Myers, who I once shouted out on a football podcast uh, a little over a year ago, so I feel like I was ahead of the curve. I I, re- I really do not like the rest of the team right now. Uh, uh, Damien Harris too, I like, but I know I know everybody out there is like, oh boo hoo, you had eighteen years of wild mm. success or whatever it was, and, and yes, in, indeed, but I don't know. I I just have a I just have a splitting headache at this point, and then I did the worst possible thing I could have done. When I left at halftime to go to the supermarket in Pelham, New Hampshire, which was a horrible, horrible nightmare. I go to reach to get some asparagus, and then I look down at my hand. It looks like some sort of like booger-type substance on there. I was like, ugh, this is is disgusting. I I wanted to run out of there as quickly as possible. Save me, Keithy. Save me. Well, live free or die, man. I mean, the only – I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Die. Live free or die. Wrong honk. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would be. Uh, that's unfortunate that you went to Pelham, New Hampshire. I mean, you know, but I understand wanting to save sales tax on. Oh, wait, no, you don't pay sales tax on food. So what are you doing going to Pelham, New Hampshire? Does it just happen to be the closest grocery store that you feel safe? I don't like I don't like the way the Hannaford supermarket is set up in my town. And I didn't want to go to the one in Lowell because I thought that would be too crowded. But as it turns out, the one in Pelham was more crowded than I had feared that the Lowell one might be. Well, too bad we don't have a purity anymore. You know, <laughs> I, I we have purity plastic bags, as I discussed on the podcast last week. You know what else I found in, in the house? Not to not to blow up my spot for greetings from Allentown this Thursday. But I, I found a, a a thing of paper plates that was Purity Supreme branded. <laughs> yes. Purity Supreme, by the way. It hasn't been called that since like 1991 or 92. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I want to know, did you work at the Purity that was near Malden Catholic? Uh, no, no. You no, you wouldn't have worked there. You would have worked at one close to your house. 
Yes, I worked at the one in Woburn, which no longer exists. They it was turned into a stop and shop, and then they tore down the whole plaza, and then they rebuilt the plaza with the a bigger and better stop and shop. Oh, very good. The biggest difference between stop and shop and purity was purity was non union, and stop and shop was union. Which I learned when I went back the the next summer to inquire about maybe working there again. And some yeah. dude gave me like the union speech, and I wanted to be like, I want to be like, hey, hey asshole, I'm 17 years old, okay? I really don't give a fuck about your problems. Did he give you a two by four and ask if you hate Vince McMahon and then go, union? <laughs> he would have been ahead of his time since I think it predates 1999 or whatever it is. Oh wait, was uh, Doug, did Duggan have a union angle that I'm forgetting about? I, I don't remember. No, they, no. Back then, the only union angle was Jesse's. Um, <laughs> back at that point in time, um, I did have I did have a story that I wanted to share with you okay. if I if I have a moment. So look me up, please. Okay, so my brother my brother uh, works with people all over the country, and he was having a conversation with somebody who is in uh, I believe the Pittsburgh area. Okay, and my, and my and he said he was an older gentleman, so probably like in his sixties, I would say sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies, whatever you whatever you may be. And for some reason, they started talking about wrestling, and my brother mentioned greetings from Allentown, and he's like, "Oh my god!" He goes, "My brother's friend has a podcast, and then my brother helps him out on it now." And he goes, and they they talk about wrestling from back in the day, and they were just kind of sharing stories about, and he was telling a story of how. When he was growing up in Pittsburgh, he was him and his friends were like on the street one day and they saw Bruno driving down the street and they started like running up against the car to be like, Bruno, Bruno. And I guess like Bruno like shouted at them in Italian and then like sped off. (laughs) (laughs) They were probably jaywalking and Bruno just wanted to set them straight. He went, you stupid piece of slime. <laughs> you know, that's the end of today's the anniversary of that. The uh... I know that's why I was I was giggling when I saw that on uh, OVP's Twitter feed. <laughs> the the great savage steamboat throat angle, which worked Bruno in in the aftermath, and what today we're actually going to see steamboat versus Randy Savage from before that angle took place oh. as we continue our march through the best of the world wrestling federation volume number nine from coliseum video and uh yeah it we 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 also have jesse on here too in an in-ring capacity so buckle your seatbelts, everybody because buckle up folks <laughs> you probably you're probably going to get a lot of us talking in a very deliberate fashion you know <laughs> Uh yes. <laughs> so so I, I I'm just hitting play on this and I learned you know that little uh thing over the U with the with the little circle? Apparently that's called a ring. Oh. Like a I, square circle I, ring? Yeah, I don't under <laughs> I, I, I did they put in a ring because it's a wrestling or or thing, is it or? The, or does it stand for the brass ring that Vince wants everybody to grab, but not everybody. Not not everybody, especially not everybody. You, especially you, Cesaro, especially you, uh, Zack Ryder, especially you, Rusev. <laughs> are, are you going to be Are you going to be watching the Survival Series tonight? Yeah, of course. I have to watch. It's the thirtieth anniversary of the day that Axe's hair died. <laughs> it, it, 
<laughs> I, I remember that Don McLean song. <laughs> Do you recall where it was where the day that Axe's hair died? <laughs> bye, <No>. bye, demolition. <laughs> uh, we actually know in this household, we're actually looking forward to the survival series tonight. And I definitely am going to make mention at least two or three times about Axe's hair. <laughs> well, oh, you know, what, you know what else I wanted to bring up real quick? What would you like to bring up? The, the, the Superstars taping, the Superstars shows where it had the Warriors entrance or the Warriors oh, yes. intro where he has laser beams. Freaking laser beams shooting out of his eyes like Dr. Evil <laughs> asked for that or something. I just, I've been watching them like nonstop on YouTube lately and it's just so freaking weird. And then, but not only that, it opens up with his, with his chest. And then the warrior symbol is like, you know, painted on, and you just see him flexing his pecs, and it's very sexual. And it's yes. just, what the hell's going on? The luscious Johnny V. It is our pleasure today on behalf of Coliseum Video to bring to you another in the edition of the official WWF home video series. I'm going to turn this down before Johnny V starts talking. I mean, let's just take a look at. Again, Gorilla has that awesome eight, late 80s hairdo, or mid-80s hairdo. Yeah, those are very 80s TVs behind him. One of them appears to be a maybe a 17-incher, uh, and then another one appears to be only a 10-incher. You, 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 usually when you say 10-incher when you're watching something, it's usually referring to something else. And then I, it appears that – wow, that was a weird cut. I think it the was. Thing behind, <laughs> yeah, behind Johnny V's head, I believe that is the monitor of an Apple II GS, but I am not entirely yeah. sure. I like Johnny V's uh, jacket he's got on right there. Oh, would you like me to get you one of those? I think that should go in your closet next to your Frenchie Martin jacket. Yeah, I, I need to start wearing more outlandish clothing. I mean, because I, I I started wearing a an orange hoodie a few years ago, but I don't think I don't think I took that far enough. And the reason why I wore it is because when I was working when I was working at this place in Westboro, uh, I like to run around the building for my exercise. Like when I was done with work, and there was these eighteen wheelers nearby. There was like a truck place, and I didn't want to get run over, so I wanted them to be able to see me. I think when you go back to work, like physically in the office, you should start wearing some mid to late 80s WWF outfits. Like, you know, just the over outfits. Like, you could wear Oliver Humperdinck's coat. You could wear Frenchie Martin's coat. You could wear Johnny V's coat. I'm going to get this beautiful purple jacket that Gorilla Monsoon has, and I'm going to wear that to work. Well, what's <laughs> great is you and Gorilla are probably about the same size, so I think it would fit you. Yeah, and we're both... <laughs> And we're both bigger than uh, giant haystacks. Or haystacks. You know, I, you know, I was I, I saw a bunch of J- haystacks Calhoun stuff on Twitter, and it was him and the McGuire twins. And I'm starting to believe what you said about him not be weighing as much because he looked tiny compared to the McGuire twins. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, this particular event he did give a tremendous account of himself. All right, I guess he's referring. Steamboat is wearing a white headband. This is from, as I said, before that angle that was on this date in 86. July 27th, 86, in Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. Because Steamboat, I think, was pretty well known in Toronto even before he came to the WWF because he would wrestle up there with Jim Crockett Promotions. 
it's nice to see Savage fighting somebody in 1986 other than George the Animal Steel. That is nice, yes. What the fuck's with that guy behind Elizabeth with, like, the sailor hat? Again, it's the guy selling ice cream. <laughs> was that in Toronto? It, it, it was. It was. It was. That, and it was the guy that you said, he's a Ricky Steamboat fan. I think we figured it out. That guy is like, that's the, uh, what's that Russian dude's name that was always the Hogan fan? Oh, Vladimir, yeah. It's, that's the Canadian equivalent of Vladimir. He's a Steamboat fan who always shows up to watch well, Steamboat matches. But why does he dress up like Captain Steubing from the Love Boat? I don't understand this. Well, he's either he's either Captain Steubing, Captain and Tennille, or he's selling ice creams at the Toronto at the Maple Leaf Gardens, and he has to come down. He's you know, oh guys, just give me a minute. I gotta go watch Ricky Steamboat wrestle. Please, please don't, please don't get me started on the Captain from Captain and Tennille again, because because you know I, I'll have to do my ten minute bit on that about how how checked out he was during Love Will Keep Us Together, how he was just rolling his eyes and love. Love will keep us together. Well, yeah. uh, not really, because I think they they got divorced uh, years ago. The, the captain, actually, would you like to know something really weird? The captain passed away in January of 2019. But do you know? Do you know what his real name is? Is it Dar- like Mar- Mark Tenniel? No, it's Daryl Dragon. And oh, now you know the rest, the rest of the story. Of the story. <laughs> So maybe maybe that is the captain from Captain and Tennille because his last name is Dragon and Ricky Steamboat is the Dragon, and that and that's why he's a super fan. But he only goes to the shows in Canada for some reason. That is that why I'm a big super fan of Big E because at one point in time he was called Big E Langston, and for I, you, and I wish yes. that he would just win a championship that had a name on it so that he could the name could say Langston on it and then I could get the replica belt with the nameplate. <laughs> I, I just wish he would team up with Keith Lee so that they could become Keith Lee Langston. <laughs> Even if Lee uh, is his real name, it's close enough. Yeah, it's close enough to Keith E. Langston, too. So Yes. <laughs> so are you going to watch the Survival Series? I absolutely am. Good. Uh, at least, at least I'm going to watch a little bit of it because I would like to see Asuka versus Sasha Banks because that sounds like a very good match. Yeah. And you know what? I, I have a soft spot for those, you know, traditional five on five uh, elimination matches, except for the fact that, like last year, all I remember about last year's Survivor Series is Walter getting pinned in like two minutes and forty seven <laughs> seconds after having all of his offense no sold by Drew McIntyre. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But that's the wait now did Oh no, Keith Lee ended up going up against Roman Reigns at the end. Yes, and then, and they, they, did, they did a they did a respectable job yeah. building up Keith Lee. Maybe not quite to the same level as the Royal Rumble where I would like I was coming out of my freaking shoes when him and Le- Lesnar like the look on his face was like, "Oh, you're a big boy." Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was that was exciting to watch this year, this past year. One, I, of, the few, I, one of the few highlights of 2020 wrestling, I might add. I have a fondness for the 2020 Royal Rumble because I, I, I drove down to Ro, uh, Rosero's house, a place to be nation, and uh, watched it with a bunch of people down there. But, of course, because I live so far away and mm. because I had to work the next morning, I left right before the men's Rumble started. So I actually saw all that a little bit later. 
So, you know, I don't automatically hate everything modern product. It's just that I don't trust them to have the level of follow-up that they once did, let's say, for something like Steamboat and Savage here, which, by the way, I know we're not commenting so much on the match, but I think they're... They're kind of they're cutting a slower pace here because I'm I feel like we're gonna get to the, some really good stuff in like three minutes. I'm also trying to I don't want to say too much because of what I <laughs> went through last you know your <laughs> controversial previous. remarks. You know what's crazy is that up until those controversial marks remarks, this is my that was my it, it still is it it is it still is my favorite match wrestling match of all time, Savage Steamboat WrestleMania three. I think I just was like, I think I just went nuts for like, I was on a, I mean, I've been on a crazy Tito Santana kick for a while now. And I think that's just what happened is I got confused about. That's, that's not what you told me. What did I tell you? Four years ago. Oh, well, you might, you might've been off at the time in some form or fashion. You told me that Nails versus Virgil was your favorite match (laughs) of all time. Yes. Wasn't that the (laughs) Summa Salam 92? Oh, and the boom going to poor slam you at the Super Slam. <laughs> Why was Nails allowed to go to uh, the United Kingdom? I, I don't, I don't understand it. Let, let's not talk too much about Nails. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good uh, uh, rule to have in your life is don't don't talk about Kevin Wackholz. You know, you know what's great too about just going to that SummerSlam is I, you know there's a lot of people who have said you know how is Flair not wrestling and you know and. Th- the consensus is that if Flair was going to wrestle, he was going to wrestle the boss man. There was a lot of people that said that, like, that was kind of the – if Flair was going to wrestle, he was going to wrestle the boss man because they wanted to keep Savage and uh, Warrior. They didn't want to have a triple threat match because they didn't really do triple threat matches at the time. So they were going to have it where if they put him in a match, that would have been so odd because they had already run the boss man nails angle. Yeah. So the, the fact is I don't think he was in – Oh, you know what? Those guys. Was, Bossman wasn't at SummerSlam '92, <laughs> no, but it would have been it would have been fun. It would have been fun from the perspective of, if you recall, Ray Trailer as Big Bubba Rogers was on Flair's team for one of the '87 War Games matches. He was under a mask as War Machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so I, I love when I love when linked stuff like that comes comes back around. But you know, I've said that constantly for the last three and a half years. So. Well, I was also, I've been also, I, I also noticed, speaking of the boss man, that, do you know that he, whenever he was on Superstars, he would be the, he was like the, the curtain jerker, I guess, for the show. Almost every show starts off with the boss man wrestling like a jobber. Yeah, he, maybe, oh, maybe not was, every, maybe not every show. I'm but maybe, every, mo- maybe more so as a face, because they want to get the show yeah, off well, a hot that's start. That's what I'm saying, yeah, as a face. Like, I'm yeah. watching 9091s, and almost every single one that he's on, it's, the, you know, they do the introduction, it the bell rings, and then it starts off, if you ever take a trip, and it's just really fun, because then he yes. runs down, oh my god, he's like warrior level fast, running to the rink. <laughs> Savage with the double axe off the top. He only gets a two count, and the captain at ringside is very concerned right now. <laughs> he put he put a hand to his face. He did. Savage wearing like blue trunks with like red lettering on it. Steamboat, steamboat. Yeah, steamboat. Yeah, I was gonna Savage. say. Have you gone colorblind? <laughs> Savage has on like uh, it almost looks like a not a maroon, maybe a chartreuse. Pants yeah. with the with the with the three white stars. 
Yes. We didn't get to see Savage's robe, though. I'm a little disappointed by that. Yeah, they did cut the entrances on this one. As you can see, this video is an hour and 32, so it's not as short as that last one that we looked at. No. Well, time permitting, I do wanna, I do wanna look at some more Karate Kid 2 today, if, if that's okay with you. I, I wanna make sure I get your blessing on that. Yes, absolutely. I got, where am I going? <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought you might wanna watch the second half of the Jets and the, uh, Chargers. I have no interest. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can understand why you feel that. Actually, there are a lot of dudes wearing captain's <laughs> hats there. There's a fleet of, there's a fleet of good humor there's men. A fleet outside. of ice cream men. <laughs> a fleet of good humor men out in the out in the ringside area. <clears throat> they're not they're not mounties or anything like that. They're just like well dressed security guards. Oh, Savage. Oh! oh. Savage, <laughs> Savage was thrown into the ring post and he is bleeding from the forehead. Like, I, so have we picked up the two Randy Savage matches where he bleeds profusely? <laughs> to, to quote you, Savage gigged himself. Hell yes. <laughs> wow, Savage. I, you know what? I don't, you really never saw Savage blade. Not after, uh, like, 1987. Yeah. That I can recall. The, the only time I can recall him bleeding is when a fucking cobra bit him on the arm. <laughs> oh, yeah, you see, you're going to make bite the arm, yeah. His foot on the rope there when uh, Steamboat goes for a pin. The Steamboat having that headband on is kind of throwing me off for whatever reason. It is a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of like when Hogan would wear his his shirt still. Like at the beginning of matches, he would have a he, like he wouldn't get in and rip his shirt. <laughs> yeah, you want to see how long he can go? Ooh! Oh, double noggin knocker just, on the ref. No, did they just have a three-way headbutt with the referee? I think they did. <laughs> oh, Heenan and Gorilla are doing this. Yeah. I think of Heenan as doing a lot of house shows during this period, but well, hadn't Jesse already left at this point? Yeah, Jesse, Jesse's not there in July of 86. He doesn't come back until Superstars about a month and a half later. So Steamboat looks like he got the worst of it. God, Savage is bla a, crim a true Crimson Mask. Yeah. And a referee still hasn't moved. Well, if you'd like, I could count. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna get That's fine. He should turn his jacket inside out and hit the ring and count. Because, you know, that counts as an official thing. Like Jimmy Hart? <laughs> yes, as Jimmy Hart explained to us in 1993. What if I'm, oh, what if oh, oh, Savage just pulled off the headband. Oh, small package inside cradle. But no ref still. So, one, two. Yeah. Not going to get him. Savage needs to have his bell rung by a ring bell in order for that to work. I'm waiting for you to be like, they should have done the title switch here on a house show in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> no. Instead of at WrestleMania 3. Ooh, look at them fight over the backslide. I mean, these two guys can make you know, routine spots that, that add a twist on yeah. it and make it look interesting. 
They're making still, a backslide look amazing. Steamboat's going to get that, but it's only going to get a two count. Well, I mean, I was I was assuming that Steamboat isn't getting a pin here. Oh, Savage is going into his trunks cold, again. Some cold rolled steel. <laughs> oh, 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 there it is. What is it, sandpaper or something? Oh, gorilla. Joe Negro? Check his trike. Check his tights. <laughs> Phil Negro? Is that what you said? Joe Joe Negro got busted with uh, oh. a, a, a nail file where he yeah. tried to throw it out of his pocket mm. and hoped that nobody would notice and it would get buried in the grass, but one of the umpires saw it. It's a pretty famous clip. It's, yeah. Didn't they use that in um, The Naked Gun? <laughs> they might as well have. Oh, Savage doing oh the God. backdrop oh. over the top. No padding God, out there. God bless him. Yeah. Randy Savage, greatest performer of all time. Well, maybe, yes. I think he had it all. I think he had everything. Speed, strength, agility, knowledge, know-how. He had the look. He had the mic skills. He had the music. He had the manager. He had everything. Savage is seriously, I think, number one in every category. Well, if you would like to read a critique of the Macho Man's work, one of those pro wrestling illustrateds that I found at my mother's house has a, Savage hasn't been intense enough in his feud against Jake Roberts. Like that, that was the complaint. It was published early 92. Who wrote that? Do you know? <laughs> oh, I don't know, but it was, uh, I used to know, I used to, well, I remember, I used to remember the names of some of the writers for like inside wrestling. I don't remember any of them anymore. Matt Brock. <laughs> it was like Stu, Stu, Stu Sachs was the editor in chief. Yeah. Oh, oh this is going to be a, oh, it's a double count out. I was hoping for a time limit draw. Oh, he went for a body slam and Steamboat just fell on top of him. This feels like a double count out, doesn't it? Yeah. Because they've been out there for quite a while. And they're trying to do that. Let's sow some doubt because Steamboat barely got back in before they called for the bell. Oh, no, he's raising the dragon's hand. Or what? He may have stopped him for excessive bleeding. Well, that would be a weird time to stop the bout. Thanks, Gorilla. Thanks, <laughs> Gorilla. The winner of the match, Ricky, by a countout, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. Not exactly the greatest job of ring announcing there by the fellow at Maple Leaf Gardens. No, it's actually funny uh, if, that's, if that was his name, Ricky by the countout. Ricky Steamboat. by the countout. It, the only way he could have sounded less interested is if he had yawned in the middle of it. <laughs> Your winner, <sighs> oh, oh, Ricky the Dragon. <laughs> Steamboat. But a good, a good, good match here. You can definitely see the roots of the stuff that would come later. Yes. Again, I mean, 
Was this their first time that they were in, you know, were their first encounter? No, they, I don't know what the first one was, but I do know that December of 85, they had a match at the Boston Garden, so they at least had that one before that. And now we go to the Boston Garden on August 9th, 1986, 10,400. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov against the Hart Foundation in a heel versus heel match. Nice. And no Jimmy, no Jimmy with the Heart Foundation. So clearly they will be the faces here. Well, we have a Doctor of Style Slick appearance. I think this is the period of time where Slick and Blassie were overlapping, but Blassie wasn't going to be going to house shows. Slick is definitely looking like a Samuel L. Jackson character at this point. Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, like a good baby face. <laughs> a little bit of a pop here for the Hart Foundation, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here, here we go with Volkoff. Mr. Volkoff would like you all to rise as he sings the Russian national anthem. Now, it'd be awesome if he didn't sing anything, like, because you know how half the time he wouldn't even sing anything? Yeah, he would just sing bullshit. Oh, he's not even facing hard camera. <laughs> so the heart the hearts attack early and you know when the hearts attack the russians during the national shades of wrestlemania 6 i was just gonna say like they did that they did the exact same spot at wrestlemania 6 and then beat them in 30 seconds <laughs> crowd crowd loves it so, so now, so now I'm like, why couldn't they have turned Brett and Anvil face long before 1988? Because mm. I want to cheer, I want to cheer for them here. I think it's the first time I've ever heard. Well, see, that's why you can. Oh, Gorilla Monsoon mentioning the first time you hit yeah. This is. I I wonder the per the purpose of this match. What do, you, what do you think the purpose of this match? Do you think it, do you think that they are test driving the Hart Foundation as a face team? I think so. Now, what was the date on this match? August 9th, eighty six. Okay. What was Davy? What was um, Dynamite Kid's uh, physical like status at this point? Well, he had had injuries and missed time right after WrestleMania 2, but the bad back injury isn't until mid-December. Okay, so maybe they're trying out because they have a feeling that, you know, that Bulldogs aren't going to be a viable... Um, Perhaps, viable yeah. But then he came back and he's like, no, I can go. <laughs> well, he came back enough for them to him to be carried to the ring and then they do the title switch because... That's how they did things back then. It's not like, oh, Dynamite Kid is hurt, and we're going to have a fucking needlessly long tournament. 
to discuss. To... Oh, oh, I was going to say Dynamite Kid is hurt, and we're going to replace him with Sean Morley. <laughs> Shane Douglas. <laughs> or, Shane, or Shane Douglas. Chief of Staff, Sean Morley, you know. It is so strange seeing Brett in there with the Iron Sheik. <laughs> I said to Brett, huh? Brett the Hitman. <laughs> he was a nice man, but he never gave me any marijuana. <laughs> SummerSlam 91. One of those guys would be main eventing, and the other would be winning the Intercontinental title. <laughs> Can you guess which one? Yeah. <laughs> and the other two would be off the show completely. <laughs> well, Anvil was an announcer at that point, so you know I'm not going to... Ooh. Miscommunication spot where... Volkov uh, takes it on the chin. The only the only reason why I don't think this is a test drive is because there were a lot of face teams at this point in time, starting with the Rougeaus were there, the Killer Bees, for better or worse. You had the Bulldogs as the top face team. So I, I don't know. But then why have why have them fight each other these two teams? You know what it also you know what it also might be is the summer of 86 was kind of a lull and they they might have just been trying stuff out just for the hell of it. You know, it's interesting you bring up this you know 86 having a lull because I I was thinking I knew that you had mentioned that this was mostly a 1986 tape. Right. And I was saying, I was thinking to myself earlier this week, I was going, wow, you know, 80, it's going to be interesting to watch stuff from 86 because I know that after WrestleMania 2, there was a bit of a lull, really until things started picking up towards like uh, at the end of the year, maybe. And mm-hmm. then it's really after that, like once they get to 87, they're in full, they're in full mode, you know, full moldering yeah. on. So it, I was kind of looking forward to seeing like what stuff they put together in 86. Because it does. It's definitely like there's this drop-off from like 85 to 86. So I'm actually looking forward to I was looking forward to this tape. The main event in Boston on that night, which I, I had said the attendance was 10,400, which is about three-quarters full for Boston yeah. Garden. But don't forget, this is August. There's no air conditioning there. So I'm kind of surprised that, you know, got over 10,000. It was Hogan and George the Animal Steel versus Randy Savage and Adrian Adonis. Interesting oh, that match. Been, that would have been a very interesting match, yeah. Now, we've already seen a match from this show on one of the best ofs. Uh, it was the infamous Tito Santana versus Cowboy Bob Orton 30-minute draw. <laughs> <laughs> I know that has to be your favorite match. <laughs> it's a 30 minutes of Tito Santana. <laughs> It just, oh, color me excited. <laughs> Which color is that? Is it is it guacamole green like the Elmatador oh, tights? Or, guacamole. Uh... <laughs> Will you stop it? Shawn Michaels is making guacamole out of Elmatador. <laughs> I'm going to have you taken out of here in a minute. <laughs> Brett is playing the stand-in face in peril, we'll call it. <laughs> Does he do the uh, – <laughs> has he done the Bret Hart Memorial Charge yet? <laughs> he, he is not, although oh, okay, 
See, it's Shiki going for the uh, camel clutch. Oh, Shiki baby with the camel clutch. Uh, I would have break. to assume that the, to break the sandville is going to run in and there. Yeah, okay, there he is. Break your I was going to say, Bret Hart is not powering his way out of the camel clutch. Break your back, make you humble. Mm. Well, I hope you're like uh, looking at Nikolai here because he's in the next match. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Because what is a best of tape. What a best of tape in 1986 needs is two Nikolai Volkov matches. I was just going to ask you, do you know what Nikolai Volkov's finishing move was? It was that backbreaker where he would press the guy over his head and then drop him on his knee. Oh, okay. Nice drop kick by Jim Neidhart. Yeah, which, by the way, you should know what his finisher is because they show it in the opening of the Coliseum videos. <laughs> Come on, pay pay attention, Keithy, for God's sakes. Do they really? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I noticed. I love, I love how I'm, I'm getting mad at you. I'm, I'm still upset about the Patriots game, and I'm taking it out on you. Please don't take it out on me. <laughs> it's very, very unfair. Um, it was a very unfair result. Uh, we, we are not conceding this game against the Texans yet. So we believe that there were irregularities in Josh McDaniel's play calling. It's so much winning. It's so much <laughs> winning. Um, by the way, volume nine, right? We're on volume nine. We still had the, uh, the old entrance, the old opening for, uh, the old intro for Coliseum video. So we I know do. that was a, that was a question you had the other day. You forgot which one it ended. It stopped, it stopped that. So we can, we can, we can verify at least not, volume number nine yeah. has it. Anvil got tripped, and oh, now come on. Off is going to get the pin on him. What a is that shame. Danny Davis? Uh, no, I can't tell who that referee is. It's probably, uh, is it Joey Morella? No. As the leg was pulled, but it's going to go down in the record books as a victory. Let's get it. I leave. The winners of this match, the team of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Very unpopular decision. It would have been nice if the referee had turned around so I could see him, but yeah. Now Brett is very upset. So yeah, that was a professional wrestling match, wasn't it? <laughs> not much. Not much else. Like, look at how long Anvil's sitting there with Nikolai on top. Like that's clearly he could have kicked out. Even if you put well, your kayfabe hat on. It's so funny. Those those teams are linked because, of course, the Bulldogs famously said, if we're losing the titles, we're not. We're only losing it to the Hearts. We're not losing it to Sheik and Volkov, which is where Vince wanted to go with it. And, in fact, that is a, I think that's a case of they did Vince a favor because if he had put the titles on Sheik and Volkov in January of 87, that would have been no good. Given the hearts, that push was, was the right call. So now we get a boot camp match, whatever that is. Um, I don't I don't know. We're, we're back in Toronto for this one. Corporal Kirshner and Nikolai Volkov. And you also covered it when you said no countouts in a boot camp match, no disqualifications in a boot camp. But there's only one thing you keep me forgetting right there, baby, is the fact that they always have paramedics on duty during a boot camp match. And in this case, they may have a six pack of, in fact, paramedics for this boot camp match. Okay. <laughs> well, that happened. 
Yeah, whatever whatever you say, Johnny V. Johnny As V. I am once again I am thrown off here. Not like I was earlier with Steamboat's headband. Nikolai Volkov wearing full pants and they yeah. are camouflage pants. What the hell? <laughs> mm. Interesting. Corporal Kirshner definitely looks like a weed guy. And th- and I- and that is confirmed. Mm. Yeah. I'm just a little confused because Corporal Kirshner he- he's a United States Army paratrooper if I'm correct. Right. And he came down to with a Canadian flag. Well, yeah, because he's in Toronto and he wants to, you know, they are they are our biggest ally. Mm-hmm. No, they're our neighbors to the north. Our biggest ally, I believe, is still uh, the United Kingdom, I believe. Well, no, that's the, quote, special relationship. Oh. <laughs> the, the U.K. is our side piece. <laughs> well, I will defer to you because I believe your major was international um, business, wasn't it, or international relations? Interna- international re- I took a number of courses in IR. No, technically, uh, my wife majored in international relations. So that's my yeah. wife. Your wife, then, who is celebrating it, a very important day tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I, I don't. I don't want to make a big deal out of that. Of course, we had some people at the house yesterday, and guess who pulled a Sid and no showed the event? Mister Keithy Langston. I told you I couldn't come. Yeah, you're too busy playing softball. <laughs> I had other arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting the Sid voice. Thank you. Thank you. I had prior engagement. That oh, I what, you were answering inquiries to your cameo? <laughs> that I couldn't, that I had to attend to. I couldn't be there! <laughs> yeah, I was answering cameo. Uh, Poor Sid. You know, you know I, I miss Sid. I miss having him around on these. You know, part of cameo you can have is a voice message. Maybe you, maybe we should reach out to Sid and tell him that we'll help him with voice messaging, like you and me. We could just do voice. Like you could record a voice message and go, "Hey," you say like, "Hey, Billy, this is Sid." I don't know if conspiring with Sid Uni to commit wire fraud is the best idea, but uh, it, it is an idea nonetheless, and I will take it under advisement. Fraudulent Sid cameos. Now, that that would be the most Sid thing ever. If Sid hired Sid Soundalikes to do all of his cameos. Sid Soundalikes. <laughs> oh, Sid Soundalikes. They come from the same camp of the Saddam Hussein lookalikes and the uh, Melania Trump lookalikes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did he do the bolo punch? Did he do it the right way, though? I think he did, yes. All right, see? So, Corporal Kirshner teaching Hulk Hogan a few things. Are you saying they should have put the belt on Kirshner in 86? Let him let him have a run with it? Well, you're always going to look for a patriotic face. Why not? Maybe they should have Kirshner come back in 91 and turn on his country. <laughs> I'm still going with uh, Tugboat, Cheek, Cheek, Cheek Tugboat. Boy, you really love that idea, don't don't you? With the whole Tugboat turns on America, even though he's kind of a non-aligned. I mean, it's Tugboat the, spent most of his time in international waters. You don't necessarily assign him a country. It's the dumbest 
It's the dumbest idea I have ever heard in professional wrestling. Oh, I don't, oh, let's, let's, let's not say things we can't take back. I mean, Triple H fucked the corpse on Raw once. I mean, come on. That's even more, well, no, look, hold on a minute. When I say dumbest thing that ever happened in professional wrestling, I'm not talking about something that's believable. I'm talking about something that's completely unbelievable. It is believable that Triple H would fuck a corpse. Okay, yeah, that's a valid point. It's not believable that Tugboat would have won the WWF championship from the fucking Warrior. I don't care if General Adnan, Sensational Sherry, The Undertaker, Macho King Randy Savage, Yokozuna, IRS, Jeff Jarrett. I don't care if they all got involved. No one was – Tugboat was not beating The Warrior. So wait, what you're saying is if you had a Royal Rumble 94 scenario when the whole heel locker room gathered – ganged up on Taker, you still think Tugboat would have lost? that match if he was Yokozuna sure Hmm. I don't know about that (laughs) this is the guy that this is the guy that was the shock master (laughs) he could fuck up a cup of coffee well yeah if he doesn't put enough grounds in he doesn't add enough water there are a lot of variables for Fred Ottman to screw up when making a pot of coffee The, the Keurig is the best thing that ever happened to him <laughs> By the way, as a coffee drinker, a par excellence, I I don't care for Keurigs. I won't have it in my house because I I, I don't know. I I don't like the model of it, and I don't okay. mean tell. I mean I I prefer to buy like a five pound bag of the coffee that I want and then put the grounds in the thing and brew coffee brew coffee that way. I don't like to do the single cup at a time and, mm. and that all that jazz mm-hmm. i will tell you that i am as a iced coffee drinker as an iced coffee drinker almost exclusively a keurig is not really that good of an idea for me because i'm not going to go down the road of you know filling a cup with ice brewing a keurig and then just drinking you know lukewarm water coffee watered down coffee at best so yes. i'm not a big fan of the keurig either the only reason i have well i had a keurig i gave it to my sister wanted one and I gave it to her was because when I would have like my mother over or something like that and she wanted a cup of coffee, I just, it would either be, I'd have to brew an entire pot or not. And so I just said, I'll just get the Keurig. Hmm. We just saw a chair shot to the head by Volkov on Kirshner. Not allowed these days. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised the camera didn't cut away. (laughs) Well, if they release these, uh, Oh wait, are these wait are these on are these on the award winning network or not? I no, un- unfortunately, I've had people reach out to me and be like, how, you know, how can we watch these? And well, sad, sadly, they haven't put them on the network. But I hold out hope that someday they will, even if we have to tolerate dubbed music. Mm. I mean, so they can put means, this one on there. It's not like they would have to dub Steamboat's music because they cut the intros. They did, yes. This match is running a little bit longer than I thought it would. I mean, have we figured out what the idea of a boot camp match is? Is it just like a no disqualification? Basically, a no basically a no holds barred match involving a military uh, gimmick. It's no holds barred. No holds barred. What's that smell? Dookie. Dookie. 
<laughs> I do realize we will have to watch that movie at some point. Sure. Then again, then again, we have a whole lineup of things that that we need to watch. I was thinking, I was thinking the other day that you and I are going to have a hell of a time in Outer Banks, just watching. Like we're going to annoy the entire rest of the house with all the crap that we're going to watch. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to get on everybody's nerves too much during. Oh, that. I kind of, I kind of want to make, I kind of want to make it our private, private time where we go to a room and we have private time together. All right, that that's that's like the gayest thing that I've ever said on this show. That's okay. I want to go I want to I want to go into a bedroom with you alone and watch men grappling. I just want to point out that uh Volkov's while you're saying that Volkov's pants keep falling down. Indeed. <laughs> so yes. To add to the to add to the uh homoerotic why does, he have, why does he have, like, red, I mean, excuse me, blue underpants kind of sticking out the top? He's got weird socks on, too. Hmm. Oh, yeah, he's got the striped socks for that Butch Reed yeah. look. Yeah, that Butch Reed look. You should, you should pull down his pants on the Sunset Flip. That would be funny. That classic Butch Reed look? <laughs> yes, indeed. Atomic drop. Did you notice oh, that I... Did, did you notice that I switched the speed of this to 1.25? <laughs> oh, you did? I didn't yes, even notice. I, I snuck I that in because I I'm, this... I, I am getting very tired of watching Nikolai Volkov at this point, so I want to get it over with as quickly as possible. I was going to say, I thought business had just picked up. <laughs> well, you don't notice that the, the photographers around ringside are moving very fast. They're like, wow, I've never seen 86 Volkov move around the ring like this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought business had picked up. Bumping like a cruiserweight. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> with the SP Jones Memorial Charge. <laughs> Listening to Gorilla do the announcements great at one point. flat on his back inside the ring. over that top rope. Yeah, it's Billy Red Lions alongside, because even though we heard Gorilla and Heenan earlier, I guess different different crew for this one. Billy Red makes sense, because he was the, the, the WWF Canada guy at the time. Yes. Volkov's situation there with his pants reminds me of every time I try to wear long underwear and exercise. Like outside, it it never yeah. works because it always just comes down. And then I'm adjusting my pants. Okay, it looks like he pulled them up. And he's doing the King of the Mountain spot with Kirshner. Aren't you glad that I sped up the video? Yeah, and it still seems like it's taken forever. Because Kirshner's been out. Oh, Kirshner taking off his boot. He's taking boot camp match literally. We got a boot. We got a boot spot coming up. Well, that works. There we go. You there just you hit go. him over the head with the boot, and uh, that is that. It's no holds barred. Oh, I want to see if this ring announcer is excited. Your winner, Corporal Kirster. Oh, sounded like a normal human being there. <laughs> Kirshner would go on to work Stampede in 87. So, you know, I guess he uh, had some contacts in, contacts sure. in Canada. Sure. Popular guy up there. Yeah. 
silly and wins the boot camp match. I had a weird dream last night where I found out about this secret program where Americans' DNA was being changed. Like one part was being programmed in order to it was basically adding a Canadian element to our DNA. Okay. To make Americans more polite. Yes. And when I found out about it and I was the only person, I just shrugged my shoulders and I said, eh, it's probably for the best. I would think it's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good, uh, so that was a dream? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. May have had some substances on, on Saturday. So we go to our a six-man from two weeks before WrestleMania. So, uh, oh. St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day afternoon at MSG, so a nice matinee to take in. Go out drinking in the city afterwards. Big John Stud, Ken Patera, and Jesse Ventura taking on Andre the Giant, Junkyard Dog, and Jimmy Snuka. It's 18,700 MSG that day. And yeah, two weeks before WrestleMania, there was another show in Madison Square Garden. And oh, by the way, one of the matches was Tito Santana versus Greg Valentine. Which is why they didn't do it at WrestleMania. Oh, so this is from 85. Yes, this is the oh, one that oh, okay. 85, yeah. Oh, okay. You can you, you could also, one of the tells for a match being from 85 is if Oakland is doing color commentary because he is not suited for it. Yeah. Oakland does just about everything else well, but as a color commentator, he kind of was the shits. Yeah. Andre, uh, those those trunks are rather ill-fitting at this point in time. He's got his gut hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Right in the kisser. Look at the dog down on all fours with headbutts. Now, Patera doesn't go to prison for another two and a half months after this. Mm. Snooker is gone by July. But the rest of them are all mainstays for a while. Well, you know, wait. What, when did this take place again? St. Patrick's Day, 85. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That is fast. Yeah. That they did that, and then, what, a week, two weeks later? Yeah. And there was, uh, February 17th, there was a show at MSG. So in a span of six weeks, they did three shows there. Wow. And You know, I was thinking about this, how when we come, when we come out of this pandemic at some point, WWE's business model will basically be no more house shows, as I understand it, because they've decided, you know what, we don't even need to do that anymore. And it occurred to me, since they don't like doing television at Madison Square Garden, does that mean WWE is done doing all shows at Madison Square Garden? Why don't they like doing television at Madison Square Garden? There, there are extra costs associated with MSG and unions, uh, something, to, something to that effect, which is why even in the 90s, you never saw Raw there the first, like, four years until the, the September of 97 show. And then they they spot it out. I mean, they'll do an occasional they'll do occasional pay per views there, but not like what they once did because they always go to the Barclays. Yeah, actually, I was just gonna say now they go to the Barclays. So 
I would wow, that's crazy. I would imagine that they would probably they would probably change maybe to have one like one raw a year or something from Madison Square Garden. They're gonna have to keep up a Madison Square. Well, or maybe they'll just do maybe they'll do like a uh, a network event at Christmas because you know that, how they that, you know how they like to do that the, wouldn't be bad either. Yeah, yeah, they like to do the Christmas show at MSG. So maybe yeah, they'll do, on, maybe on they'll the, do that the like televised. Yeah. yeah, they'll do that like televised on the network event. Like the, I don't know, whatever the when they did the uh, what was the one that they did that was the not the Great American Bash. Uh, did they do a title change with AJ Styles at one point, and that was yeah. at the time? I think yeah, they also then, did something with a Seth Rollins John Cena match for U.S. title way back when. Yeah, and they'll probably do something like that moving forward. Because it, it would, and, and let us not forget, there will also be a, another arena on Long Island just outside of the five boroughs in Elmont when the Islanders arena opens about a year from now. So, I mean, there, there'll be even less of a reason to do MSG unless they really want to, unless Vince just wants to hold on to that facet of it. I'm sure he's probably still pissed that they that New Japan and ROH did that show there, but hey, I mean, what kind of ex... You can't have exclusivity on a building and then not no. run it. That's Yeah, that's... He can't be... I mean, if he's pissed off about that, that's like the next level, although that's, again, it's Vince McMahon, but that's like next level insanity for a guy. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to be mad at a, at a... Like you said, at a friggin' building? Yes. They're not allowed to run anything. Like, that's ridiculous. Well, there was a lot of dirty stuff going on in the 80s with that. Jesse is in there now with Jimmy Snuka. Hmm. Jesse, of course... One of these men would be... Oh, I'm sorry, you got... What what did he he receive? Well, one of these men with what? I was going to say, one of these men would become governor of of Minnesota. The other? Hmm. (laughs) Well, let us not forget that Jesse Ventura... (laughs) received uh, 2,664 votes for president of the United States, trailing Joe McHugh by a couple hundred. Now, I don't know if it's the same Joe McHugh since he's been dead now for 28 years, but... Well, apparently Joe McHugh died 26 years ago. But we'll try to get him anyway. Um... I was going to say, Jesse, let us not forget, Jesse Ventura did not murder his girlfriend. (laughs) Well, that we know of, yeah. (laughs) You know, I was never accused nor convicted of murdering my girlfriend on the long side of the interstate in Pennsylvania. I I I always feel like we got to be careful doing the Jesse voice because if he ever like checks this podcast out, I don't need to get sued by Jesse. Number one, because I I, lo- I love Jesse. Every, everything is an homage from from my Listen, point of view towards him. As long as we don't say anything about his valor or anything like that, I think we're fine. Yes. And if, and yes, I love Jesse too. I have nothing but think nice things to say about Jesse. You know, I found one of his books in my mother's house. Now I threw it away because I oh. mean I already I already read it and I, I don't really I don't really need. Do you know I once left I once left the Jesse Ventura book at a Washington Capitals game underneath my seat. I forgot to take it with me. 
I read I read it I read it between periods. That's awesome. I was gonna but, say you should have you should have mailed the Jesse. I wonder if you mailed the book to Jesse if he would sign it and then mail it back to you. What to Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the the book, I think it was. I ain't got time to bleed. Yes, I, th- I, th- I think that I think that might have been might have been the book at the time. But when I when I worked at Barnes and Noble a long time ago, you know the little paperback books, not like not like the regular size ones, but like the mass market paperbacks that yeah. you get at like yes. the airport. Yes, those those don't get returned to the publisher. All you do. I guess in order to save costs, is for any unsold copies, you rip the cover off. And with the with the barcode, and you send that back to the publisher. So with some of those books, if if we if they were, if the inventory called for that to be sent out, it would effectively be a free book because I got throw it in the trash, albeit it wouldn't have a cover on it. And I actually had that for the Jesse book. It had no co- it had no cover on it. I ain't got time to bleed. I ain't got time to pay eight dollars for his book. You is it know, me or is this? Is this I, I am the only governor of Minnesota who didn't use a ghostwriter to write his memoirs. You know, I'm the only Minnesota governor who was also mayor of Brooklyn Park. <laughs> I was gonna say this referee kind of looks like a fat John Denver. You know, I was thinking he kind of looked like uh, this. This might be a little too obscure, and I and I kind of have to look up the character again. Do you remember uh, the skit from SNL, the uh, Jackie Rogers Jr. jackpot wad? It was like Martin Short. <laughs> Hold on, let me look this up because you looked up you looked up uh, Terry Kaiser from uh, Mannequin Two when I was talking about. All right, wait, what is it? The what is it again? The Jackie Rogers Jr. jackpot wad. Right, let me look. Okay. He kind of look, looks like Jackie Rogers. <laughs> he does! <laughs> ja- Jackie yes. Rogers Jr. is our official here. Oh, Andre, Andre is a goddamn house of fire. I did not speed it up to 1.5 times speed. Oh Andre God. actually is moving pretty good right now. Andre's going nuts. He's like, oh, good, I can kick the shit out of Big John Stud here. Oh, he's going for the slam, but they can't let him slam him because the WrestleMania thing is two weeks away. Oh, going for the pin on Andre. Oh, Jesse versus Andre. Here's kind of an interesting matchup. You never thought you'd ever see. Well, remember, Jesse was afraid of him on that Brother Love show before SummerSlam 98. I'd be afraid of Andre too. Oh, Jesse, well, actually, bro- brother, been... brother Love accused him of being afraid. Oh, splash! And Jesse eats the pin. Oh, wow. Jesse! Oh, Jesse Ventura. They didn't keep him strong for that Hogan push. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesse wasn't working as an active guy very much. Well, that looks pornographic. What we just saw. It was. Yeah. Patera and on uh, Patera and Stud in the corner, and the three faces were all kind of uh, gang banging Andre, and uh, they were running a train on him. Yeah, they were running train, literally. They were 
running a train, what we oftentimes would do at our third anniversary would run train. Oh, you're back in your Lord Al uh, love uh, love advice. Well, I noticed that it was very weird last week that Vince seemed to be extremely horny, wanting to know how fast British people had sex. And I just wanted to give him a little bit of pointers that you can also do other things other than just have regular vaginal intercourse. (laughs) But he didn't ask us what you did other than vaginal intercourse. That guy does look like Jackie. Jackie, Rod- Jackie Rogers Jr. <laughs> raises Andre's hand in a token of victory. <laughs> oh, my short. Underrated error on Saturday Night Live. Oh, King Tonga! King Tonga and Siviafi against, yeah, Big John Studd again and King Kong Bundy. This is from MSG July 12th, 1986, 16,000 in the building. And this aired on All-American Wrestling on August 24th of 86. August 24th? Yes. So six weeks, six weeks later. And that had to have been one of the final matches for King Tonga as that name because, of course, King Harley Race would get the king name on championship wrestling on august 30th and you can't you can't have you can't have two kings are you forgetting what august 24th is i have not forgotten that august 24th is your birthday yes so So they 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 aired a king tonga match on your birthday congratulations (laughs) (laughs) oh the hits just keep on coming (laughs) yeah and that would have been before you were watching right August of 86? Yeah, yeah. 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 What was I at that time? How old would I have been? Seven? Yeah, I wasn't watching wrestling yeah. when I was seven. Um, August of 86 when I was seven. What would I have been watching on TV? Would the real Ghostbusters have been on? <laughs> I don't think no, the Ninja was some sort of weird trademark thing with the real Ghostbusters. Well, it was the real Ghostbusters, and then there was the other uh, Ghostbusters. The uh, Ghostbusters that was by... Um, uh, what was the oh crap? What was the name of the the company that put out the Ghostbusters? That wasn't it wasn't the actual um, filmation. Okay, Do you remember the filmation version of the Ghostbusters? That was like that came out in 1986, around the same time as the real Ghostbusters. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the other thing. So yeah, I think I watched both of those. <laughs> As you recall, King Tonga slammed Big John Studd on an episode of Championship Wrestling in June. Yes. And we saw King Tonga versus Studd in MSG from June, and it went to a double countout, and this is, I guess, the rematch. Mm. So I'm fully expecting Siviafi to be eating some sort of pin here. With with off-spec off Jimmy Snooker, Siviafi. But we got to make sure who is our referee here. Oh, okay, good. It's not uh, Jackie Rogers Jr. <laughs> There's the walking condominium on the apron there. Yeah, Bundy hasn't done a whole lot in this match. It's been basically Stud and Tonga for the entire time. Is this the match where Bundy turns face? <laughs> Bundy turns face. <laughs> Because he's just sitting on the outside, he hasn't come in. I'm sorry, I got that. I got that tugboat heel turn on the brain. 
Tugboat, see, you're making it seem like Tugboat did nothing but stand on the apron. He kept turning around to the crowd and going, like a moron. That's true. He did do that. Look at the chops here, buddy. Tell me Haku friggin' dances at the end of this match. We know the story about Haku and uh, Brutus Beefcake complained about the chops being too hard. Oh, he's dancing now! Nice. Look at him dancing. Oh, yeah. by Tonga. And another one. Oh, he got him up there! He got him up! He got him up! Oh, my God. Listen to the fucking crowd go nuts. Are you shake me, bro? It, it makes Hogan in 84 look like freaking nothing. <laughs> I'm not giving Dude, I'm up hope. You. I'm not giving up hope on my Haku versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 37 no. to find and out I'll who the you. true high chief of Pacific Islanders is. And, le- and let me tell you this much. I'll, I'm going on record. Here's controversial comment right here. Pontiac okay. Silverdome, WrestleMania 3. Andre versus Haku. <laughs> Andre slams uh, Haku slams Andre. The fucking roof goes nuts. <laughs> the roof would have collapsed. Yes. I think if you had Andre beat Hogan in a quick a quick match <laughs> to win the championship, and then the main event is Haku versus Andre. Well, you, you know how have, they always talk about how. You would add 193,000 in that stadium. <laughs> how Paul Orndorff was held in reserve in case. Yeah. Andre couldn't go. I yes. choose to believe that Haku was kept in reserve in case Hogan couldn't go. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you hear the pop he just got when he slammed Big John Stud? Yeah, New York loved, loved them some King Tonga. And by the way, I've actually seen him wrestle in Madison Square Garden because he was in that Battle Royal in G1 Supercard. That's right. I don't bring that up because I don't like to make you jealous about that, about going to that show. That's okay. Because the show was kind of, I mean, I spent most of the time in the concourse, if, if you'll recall. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure if I had said to you, oh, dude, I thought, oh, nice, little cross body that knocked over the walking condominium. I think if I had said to you, hey, Pete, I think I want to go to WrestleMania weekend, would you mind if I went? I don't think you would have said no. No. Nah. You, probably, you probably wouldn't have had me hanging around with you. You would have been yeah. like, no, you got to go see your own friends. <laughs> Oh, Siviafi is dancing now. Mm. That's not dancing, Sally. And Bundy just... That's not, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Not not in here. Yes. Well, she, she does this kind of gyrating, and then she cries, and then you watch it, and she cries again. <laughs> um, yeah, Bundy had none of... was having none of Siviafi dancing, that's for sure. Look at how strong Haku is. He can break up a pin just by moving one of Bundy's legs. Mm. That's that's how that's how strong he is. His kung fu is strong. Well, of course, Tonga and Siviafi would become teammates in the Islanders for a very brief period in the spring of 88. Yeah. Siviafi was the third Islander. Yeah, and they did not team together very much, but there are a bunch of six-man matches that are Siviafi, Haku, and Heenan, because Heenan was filling in for Tama, because Tama was gone by that point. 
So you mean there's no there's no Siviafi and uh, Haku tag teams? Like there's no Axe and Crush? There, there may be, but yeah, I was very disappointed when I did the research that time and saw that there is not a single Axe and Crush match ever. <laughs> like, why, why is that? I, I don't get it. Would, but Axe and Smash would still team. Yeah, rarely. And then, like, but Crush would, would happen. Crush, like, Crush would be the manager, quote unquote, manager, or just wasn't there. I'm just gonna plant the story that Crush and Axe had heat. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like each other. There was no love lost. I mean, we could probably confirm that. All we have to do is get Axe on the phone. Does Axe have a cameo? Um, oh, we are. No. Excuse me, King Tonga hot tag. Let us stop what we are doing right now. Like a fucking cut off in a hurry. Mm. Tonga, wondering exactly where he is. Bundy's saying, Bundy, Haku. Yeah, I can, di- I can dig this matchup here. It's just me, or do you keep hearing the bell ringing? I do hear the bell ringing. Yeah. Knee drop. One, two... The referee counted to three when he kicked out. Oh, he did. Haku ate the pin? That is fucking bullshit. Bunny didn't want to pin him. I think Bunny wanted to hurt him more. Ah, uh, that's fucking bonkers. Ah! Uh, Lord Littlebrook. Yes. Yeah, Lord Littlebrook versus Peter Dinklage. Uh, excuse me, Cowboy Lang. <laughs> Yeah, the referee down on one knee because we're we're doing the referee spots for this one early. This is June fourteenth, eighty six. So yeah, that match there where King Tonga eats the pin in what was clearly an accident, a referee screw up, must have fucked up fucked up his push, but good. Yeah, wow, that guy does look like Peter Dinklage. Holy shit! (laughs) And not just because he's a little person. Yeah, I see. I did my homework on that. Oh, Lord Littlebrook following a King Kong Bundy match. A chilling, a chilling preview of things to come. Yes. Oh, whoops! Whoops! Oh, whoops! Trying to step in over that bottom rope didn't exactly make it. No, I think he fell on his nose as well. Fell on his balls. Not happy about that situation. Littlebrook wearing the uh, mini Andre singlet. Oh. Audience and any publication, rebroadcast, or other use of the pictures, description, and accounts of this event, including the imposition of a charge for viewing the program without the express written consent of Madison Square Garden Productions Incorporated, is obviously prohibited. You did that. Oh, okay. Can you, can you cut that and add that into your intro for greetings from Allentown? <laughs> Well, no, I don't. I'm not owned by Madison Square Garden. Yeah, but, it's just, yeah, but, it, was just, but it was really long. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want anybody to think that the Dolans have anything to do with my podcast. I, I, I can assure you. But hearing hearing Gorilla do that, it, I, I want to remind you that this is protected as uh, criticism of uh, a published work. So, yes, that's that so we don't get sued for 
what? Well, I mean, we're not we're not publishing the video of this. We're we're publishing the audio, but you can hear the descriptions and accounts from time to time. But we're we are critiquing it, so it is protected under fair use. Once once again, I'm putting on my copyright hat, lawyer hat. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine yes. I should have been a copyright lawyer, except I probably would have been miserable doing that. So. <laughs> Mm, well, I mean, if I you had to think, I mean, what would be your what's your dream job? Mm. And you got to be serious. Like, you can't say like you know playing shortstop for the Orioles. You know, like. Well, I would have loved to have been a sportscaster at one time, but you know the 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 jig was up. I, I think I'm maxed out doing a wrestling podcast. That, that that's uh, this is my ceiling. I think. Mm. Well, it's a good ceiling. You get to you get to talk about something that you love. You get to entertain and inform. But honestly, changing my career over from when I was working circulation in magazines in the two thousands to getting a job in mutual funds and now in in private equity is probably a much better long term path for me yeah. for a variety of reasons. Right, right, right. Look at that fucker in the front row wearing a California Angels shirt. What's the deal mm. with that guy? <laughs> Mike Trout. <laughs> Actually, he kind of looks like 1986 Roger Clemens. Is he going turncoat? Like, <laughs> they're going to play the Angels in the playoffs in 86. Come on. Little, little Brook is not in hands. He is not an attractive person. No. Yeah, I, oh, I don't. Now, and now, and now, oh, Ar- get an ass fighting spot. Artie Lang here eating Lloyd Littlebrook's ass. <laughs> Artie Lang. Artie Lang and his smushed in nose that's all screwed up. <laughs> Cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine. And, and a lot of other things. Yeah. Oh, now the referee is getting his ass bit. It was payback for Billy Bats and a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> you know, while I'm enjoying, while I'm enjoying this match, I, 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 re- I really like, would like for them to end this soon. I'm just saying. You have to do the right thing. You have to go home to the family. You understand? You gotta go home. Okay. You gotta go home. You gotta go this home. Let's gotta go, go home. home. Let's go home. And that's that. <laughs> what? What's that? What? Eh, we had a problem. Eh, and there was nothing we could do about it. What are you talking about? I mean, he's gone. gone. He's gone. He's gone. And there's nothing we could do about it. They fucking whacked him. They whacked him. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's not stop that. Yeah, yes. Oh my god, this match is going on. Remember when I said the last time we had a little people match where I was like, it was going too long? Indeed, it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to speed. I'm gonna have to speed this one up a little bit because this is. Uh, see, look at the, look at them fly around the ring when you when you set it at one point two five. It'd be awesome this, too if you could. It'd be awesome if you could stretch the picture vertically so they looked like normal sized wrestlers. Huh. <laughs> hey, I just I just made it full screen for you. Don't they look huge? They look wow. 
All of a sudden, we have we went from Lord Littlebrook to Andre. Yeah. <laughs> Little yeah that, re- that, re- that referee is uh, rather large. He's towering over them. Oh, he put his head down. A cardinal mistake by a ring veteran. And I was hoping that that was going to be the finish just because I want this match to be over. But this is the last one-on-one match we have on this tape because we have a battle royal coming up next from MSG. Oh, nice. Yes. It's that same roll-up thing that won the last. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be like a troop a trope of the uh, the midget wrestling. Yeah, I don't think I don't think finishers matter quite as much in that division. Peter Dinklage emerges victorious. Cowboy Lang. Cowboy Lang impressing Do you think he's related to former Washington Capitals great Robert Lang? Uh, I believe it's his son. Oh. <laughs> Actually, it's his nephew. Yeah, this is definitely like that. There's like this. They're doing this kind of. What would you say this is? Like a. Uh, a somersault on the ground. Rolling spot. Yeah. I'm just glad that Lord Littlebrook's thunder didn't come out of his tights. Thank you very yes. much. I believe that our finale should be an extraordinary event. The biggest of the big, the coup de gras. You know what that means, don't you, John? Sure, that's a French vanilla ice cream salesman, right? Well, be that as it may. Our... <laughs> Ooh, Bobby Eden. Lanny Poffo. individual left will walk away. Oh, King Tong are in this one. With 50,000 big ones. Tony Garia. Well, I might have some stars in my eyes. That's some Tony Atlas. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know something, Monsoon, that when you want the start of the action here. Look at me. This is Junkyard Dog. Should I run down? Junkyard Dog. Yeah, a battle, a battle royal July 12th, 86 at MSG. This aired on prime time on July 21st. And everybody keep their paws off the luscious JV. Two wrestlers will be in this ring. The process of elimination occurs when a wrestler is thrown over the top and onto the floor. This continues until one man remains, and he will be declared the winner. Look, I certainly so apparently only JYD gets an entrance, and instead we're just going to show everybody in the ring as we get underway now. And Jimmy Hart is leaving the ring, and he's going to hide under the ring. Was, so was great. it Jimmy Hart? That looked like Dan, Danny Davis for a minute. No, that was, was that was that was Jimmy Hart. Oh, and they already got they all ganged up and got rid of Ju, uh, Big John Stud and Bundy. Bundy and Bundy. Yeah, so they already got rid of Bundy and Stud. And Heenan's on the apron. But great. So this is where that fucking trope started of let's hide outside the ring. I'll be honest, man. It'd be awesome if it came down to just Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart. That'd be great. That would that would be fantastic. The the problem that I have though is that hide outside the ring thing. Uh, it, it's WWE has done that so much. So like the, the Royal Rumble is basically five guys having a fucking slumber party on the outside for half the match. Yeah, and then like at WrestleMania 35, you had the stupid Colin Jost and Michael Che thing. Which yep. I'm sure Michael Che is going to get all sensitive because I'm criticizing his work, and that and that's that's what happens with that. And then they did the same fucking thing in the women's battle royal at WrestleMania 35. Two times yep. on the same pre-show, they did the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is an issue I am very passionate about. Wait, did Bobby Heenan did Bobby Heenan get eliminated, or is he just did he crawl out of the ring and he's just now announcing? Oh, he got eliminated. Yeah. 
Yeah, apparently they wanted the Heenan family out of there. Oh, okay. I'm kind of upset that Hillbilly Jim isn't there, so I could say one of the favorites here for the Battle Royal, Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> one of the favorites in this is Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> I like how Davy Boy Smith has been standing there doing nothing for like the last 90 seconds. It's hilarious. <laughs> Like he was just talking to Dynamite Kid. Nice to see SD Jones in there. Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, interesting to see Mike Sharp in there. Is that Rick Montel in the white trunks? No, that's Lanny. Oh, that's Lanny? Yeah, you could. I know you couldn't tell the difference because they were shooting Lanny from behind. Hickory Dickory Duck. <laughs> Who was that they just showed? Was that Tony Atlas? That's Tony Atlas. That's Tony Atlas. Uh, the, he's holding Johnny V now yeah. for Sid Viafi. Oh, and this handsome Harley Race. Yeah. Gurria taking a shot from Harley Race. Nice. Gurria in one of Race's first matches in the WWF, like, no-sold Harley's offense. Oh, really? I feel like, I feel like that's a bad idea. Yeah. I feel like you'd get a gun pulled on you after that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that little runt. You rodent. <laughs> yeah, he's just hanging out under the ring. Did he just say Punxsutawney Pete? He did. What the? Does Gorilla not know that it's Phil? How is that possible? He's from New Jersey. I mean, like, it's not like he didn't. Wow. Because he's. Oh, who's. Oh, I am Mike Chop, Canada's number one athlete. Uh, you know what would be great? A, 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 a reboot of Groundhog Day, except it's Gorilla Monsoon instead of Phil Connors. <laughs> I keep living the same day over and over, Jess. <laughs> Why couldn't it be a good day? Why couldn't it be a day when I was paying $600 to get some Japanese hookers? Why couldn't it be that day, Jess? No, instead it's got to be this mat. It's got to be WrestleMania 4. Oh, there's that piece of garbage, needle-nosed Ned. Oh, there's that the walking there's that, advertisement for birth control. There's that walking advertisement for birth control, needle, needle dick Ned. Oh, God. I hate this. I hate this battle royal. I hate it. Do you hate it? Yeah, because they've basically cut. I mean, nowadays they don't even show the people on the outside because they they expect you to forget that there are there's a slumber party going on on the floor and Rusev's yeah. going to come in at the very end, like the 2015 Royal Rumble, when he promptly gets eliminated in like three seconds once, once he gets back in. Rusev Machka. But they keep going back to Jimmy Hart to remind us that he's there, and I have a bad feeling about this because I, I have a recollection. Of oh, some... I 1,000%. Oh, there's Pedro Morales wearing the same trunks as he always does. Yeah. Oh, who oh, just got tossed? Who was that? That was that was, that was Gurria getting tossed by Valentine. Yep. Gurria's gone. Yeah. His hair still looks perfect, though. Um, you know I who like I haven't him. seen? I haven't seen Jack Lotz tonight on this on this <laughs> tape. Where is he? R.I.P. Yeah. He is missed. Is that, 
His Moondog spot. Oh, there's Billy Jerk Haynes. Valentine did a face-first flop in there. <laughs> there's Brudeye. It looks like Brudeye. Is he tangling it with uh, Haku? That appears to be Siviafi. Oh, okay. Oh, the camera man got knocked down. Who knocked over the camera yeah. man? Holly well, Race! Uh, Handsome Holly Race is gone. Harley's out of there. Siviafi got thrown out through the ropes. Who knows if they'll count that as a oh, real elimination or not. That pa- Pedro just hit Pedro just did a bolo punch on Brutus and did it the opposite way. He did a Hogan bolo punch. Oh. That, just, that just irritates me about Pedro Morales now. Okay. I learned it from watching you. I know, seriously. Lanny Poffo giving it to Moondog. Not Spot. Moondog. Rex, Rex, Rex Moondog, yes. Moondog Rex. There's... Now Moondog Rex mixing it up with Dynamite Kid. Oh, and the Moondogs. Both Moondogs knocked out by uh, both members of the British Bulldogs. And as it was happening, they cut to Jimmy Hart under the ring because apparently Kevin Dunn is in charge of this fucking tape. Yep. The whole thing just put me in a sour mood again. And also my headache from from when we started recording hasn't really dissipated all that much. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe, maybe covering Karate Kid 2 will help that because I haven't told you what scene we're going to be doing. Okay, well I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking at anything. Okay. I'm staring, I'm staring directly at the screen, so I don't know. You're what not, you're, you're, you're not looking at anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking at anything. Meaning, oh, look, not, oh, look, look at, at look at this. Look at, look at Tonka has high, uh, Lanny Poffo's legs way up in the air. You know what that means? <laughs> Hickory Dickory Dock. You know what that means? Hickory, dickory, hickory, dickory, dock. Like Lanny Poffo's legs akimbo there. Haku, Haku's trying to get me to suck my own cock. <laughs> what he doesn't two, really know is that I gladly... Two legends, Lanny Poffo with King Tonga. Two locker room legends. Oh, the stories those two could share. Yeah. Valentine uh, seems to be at the center of a lot here. Brudeye. Dave, oh, Dynamite gone. Is Brudeye gone? I nope, think no beefcake's in the corner there. I can tell because he's got those arm things on. That Brother Brudeye, JYD, Billy Jack Haynes, Pedro Morales, Lanny. Leaping Lanny's still in there with Aku. Yeah. Like, look at Lanny Poffo going the distance in this battle royal. It would be great if we got down to the end and it was Haku. Oh, King Tonga versus Leapin' Lanny, and it was like the 07 Rumble with Sean and Taker, and they just went at it for 12 minutes? That would be oh, fantastic. That would be beautiful. That's what I, I would have thought. I just want Valentine to knock out Pedro Morales so bad right now. Well, that's a feud hearkening back to 81 or 82 WWF. So that that that's kind of an old news thing. Yeah. Morales is kind of stuck in the corner there, but he got rescued by King Tonga. You know what? Throughout these t- throughout these tapes, they didn't really showcase Pedro, at least his world title run, right? No. No, in fact, I don't think we've had a single Pedro title match. No, we've had Pedro matches, but he's Pedro not Pedro IC title match. I think it was him and Adonis from 82. Yeah. But not a world title match, which is kind oh, of Val- odd. Oh, Valentine. Valentine did! Valentine knocked out Pedro! Yes! <laughs> All, All right. right. Pedro. 
Look at look, uh, King Tonga and JYD in the middle of the ring uh, going at it. And now King Tonga oh. and JYD have decided, you know what, we're both going to go after Valentine. Oh, look at him. Oh, briefcake's gone. You, so, oh, all right. That- do, you, do you see this? It's five faces in there. Uh, hold yeah. on. I got I to gotta, I gotta pause this. There are five. I mean, Jimmy Hart's on the outside. But there are five faces in there against Valentine. It is Poffo, yeah. JYD, King Tonga, Billy Jack Haynes, and who's the other Davey one? Davy Boy Smith. Oh, Davy Boy, right. All right, so Valentine oh, is there go, up, and there, there goes, goes, Billy, Jack there goes Billy Jack. Now, Valentine's going to definitely earn it right here because he's going to get rid of everybody except for one of them. Oh, he there gets goes, rid of King Tonga. There goes King Tonga. Who's the next to go? I'm going to say Lanny Poffo is the next to go. I think so because he's Lanny Poffo's down to, like, the final – I mean, it's the final five because we know Jimmy Hart's still in this. But Lanny Poffo making it basically to the end of this match. Please let him not be the next to go. I want Lanny Poffo to go to the final four in this battle royal. Yeah, let's 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 see where this goes. JYD kind of stalking Valentine, who's kind of begging off. I like how you're not marking out for the elimination. You're marking out about Lanny making it to the final four. And there goes Lanny. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. People are going nuts for, for Valentine. Well, I remember the Battle Royal at the G1 Supercard. There was like a big one-on-one near the end where it was uh, Great Muda and somebody. Oh, Liger. And then I think the Battle Royal was won by like Kenny King, who was hiding outside the ring. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So JYD is going to drag Jimmy Hart back in. Why is there a mail crate under the ring? Does it say like a uh, property of the United States Postal Service? Yeah, I know. JYD is not providing a lot of help for Valentine here. No, he's not. I think it's just because he's he's got him in a. He, he I think it's because JYD fucked up that that lift. That's why. Uh, yeah, I, I I would say so. Because he definitely wasn't. He was no help at all. Watch him, dog. Watch out from behind. Oh. Look at that double arm hook from the back by the hammer. Oh, look at oh, that. That is dreadful. That is absolutely dreadful. Look at those cheap shots. By 157 pounds. They didn't even phase the dog. No, dog. No. They're going to they're gonna try it again with that. Va- oh, now Valentine gets head scissored, and they go out. Both guys go over the top, and Jimmy Hart wins. Yes. Which, if this was the only time that they did a situation like this, with, you know, sleeping under the ring, 
but instead it's been done in every battle royal since for like the last 20 years. And with that $50,000, Jimmy Hart brought in later on the Canadian earthquake. <laughs> what did he say? Put it in a CD for three years or something? And, and now you know the, the rest, rest of the story. <laughs> the winner of the battle royal, Jimmy Hart. Oh, they gave it to him. He's got good heat. That's got some good heat. Yeah, the referee is like, hey, don't touch me. Well, there are a couple of people who appreciate it. Sure. Wow, look at how young Jimmy Hart is, though. I mean, I know it's 1986, but that's a really young Would you like to know how old Jimmy Hart was at the time of this? (laughs) Is he 25? Let's, that's, that's the end of the tape as we uh, get credits here. Yes. Jimmy Hart in, at the time of that was 43, uh, 43 years old. Oh my God, really? Wow. Yes, Jimmy Hart on January 1st will turn 78. Wow, are you serious? I am 100% serious. Man, oh, Christopher run. Stang, he didn't get fired for, uh, putting that, uh, Orton match on volume six that was already put on volume three. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to track that. Special thanks to Vince McMahon, pal. Al, thanks, pal. <laughs> what a visual! Oh <laughs> God, I don't need to see Lord Littlebrook's balls. It was terrible. Uh, Lord Littlebrook's balls. <laughs> Coming soon to your local video retailer, the best of the WWF Volume Ten. Oh, we've already seen this. Why do I not remember this match? Piper and Hogan versus Orndorff and Look. Good when did Well, when did we watch this? Volume 10? It was a while ago. Yeah, well, that's probably why. Piper and Hogan, yeah. huh? Then some tremendous moments relived in the WWF's Grand Slam collection. That was Gorilla carrying Jesse back to the ring as a special referee. Now Gorilla and Muhammad Ali. We saw that on volume one already. We did see that, yes. Oh, we saw this too. Yeah, this was on volume one. So they're, they're, they're just rerunning stuff like crazy. You know, BG pinning Mr. Finally, the ultimate athlete returns in Hulkamania 2. Hogan and Orndorff. Hulkamania 2. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. American May. Oh, okay. Hulkamania 2. Call your video retailer and reserve your copy now. And that's it. Right to the producer, Coliseum Video, 430 West 54th Street. All right. Well, Volume 9 was okay, I guess. We got off to a very good start with Savage and Steamboat, and I like that Heart Foundation match, but... Yeah. No, that Savage Savage Steamboat match was great. It's always good to see Savage bleeding. That's awesome. Yeah, it kind of uh, faded, though, as this tape went along. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean... 
And like for some interesting conversations, at least. King King Tonga King Tonga getting pinned by accident because the referee was a freaking moron. Yeah, that kind of sucks. It would have been it would have been great if it was at least Siviafi or, you know, it, shit. Even if that went to like a double DQ or something, it would have been good. But the battle royal was kind of fun. It was cool to see Valentine go up against five faces. That's kind of yeah. Cool. Valentine he turned into like Diesel in the '94 Rumble there yeah. for a while, just eliminating guys like constantly. Yeah, so I'm actually not. That's that wasn't that bad to watch. That so was next pretty time, good. Yeah, I, I guess uh, next time we'll watch Volume Eleven, followed by Volume Twelve, and then we will wrap up with Volume Fifteen. Can you believe we're only three away from the end? We've been doing um, this for that long, right? Yeah, I mean, we we did but, take I think one or two weekends off, but uh, and, I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty sure we've we've I think for the we pretty much gone week after week after week doing these 20 videos so i mean you know well we have stayed motivated and one of the yes. reasons why we have been able to stay so motivated for this is this segment that i have not yet named for the end of the program okay. where we take the 1986 feature film the karate kid part two <laughs> and break it down in detail by just viewing a scene or two hmm. And today, we are going to take a look, starting Arrival in Okinawa, and oh, the, the first thing we're going to see, <laughs> now, now look, I could have backed it up, and we could have watched, like, Daniel rushing to the airport, and the fact that Miyagi had a center seat, and somehow Daniel was able to get a, a window seat, which mm -hmm. I don't understand how that happened, but then again, seating on airplanes back in the day, you didn't have, like, you didn't have the same choices, I don't think, back then. Yeah. Where, like, you had the little map, and, and then you can kind of plan things out. So right, right. now, no, they you are... Just, you just yeah. I think you just ordered a seat. Yes. <laughs> you, they are arriving in Okinawa as uh, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi are... The, 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 the plane is literally wheels down, they're touching down. Daniel, why would you be packing dirty laundry to go to Okinawa? <laughs> I, that's so bizarre. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, usually you bring home dirty laundry, but you know, yeah, nobody usually. Yeah. Oh shit! I forgot to wash these. I forgot to wash this underwear, Mister Miyagi. You think I can wash them in your in your village? <laughs> Yes. Do you, do, you, do you think Okinawan uh, detergent will get out the, uh, uh, the sweat brown stains? stains? From, yeah. The, the brown stains from my uh, first fight with Cobra Kai? Yes. Yeah. We have. Although, you must bring water softener because very hot water <laughs> in Okinawa Prefecture. Well, you know, because the, the Air Force Base there, you know, they kind of, uh, <laughs> they kind of, they kind of wreck the water. Never heard of it. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's keep going. Was this place here when you left? Miyagiri, Okinawa by boat. No, airport, Okinawa that time. Huh. You know, I kept looking through my book. I still can't find your village on the map. How are we going to find it? Ask taxi. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> I, the t he wouldn't have much more luck with the taxi, as we, as yeah. we know. Yeah. 
God. Yeah, but the part of Okinawa, when you look it up, when you look up Kadena Air, ba- Air Base, it, like you go into Google Maps, the area of Okinawa Prefecture is called Miyagi. In real life? Yes. Oh, so that just goes to add to the fact that when Sato gave him the deed at the end of this movie, he owns everything. Exactly. Yes. So that's oh, very interesting. I wonder if that's what I wonder if that's what um the writer did when he did that. He looked at Okinawa and he saw that it was the whole thing is Miyagi, so he went, "Ah, oh, that's what we're going to name him, Miyagi." I'm sure oh, I'm sure God. it was it was very thoughtful. Now they're walking through a very crowded airport here. Yeah. I I'm assuming that whatever airport they landed in, uh, it's not Tokyo that uh, it would be particularly crowded. So they'll come across the billboard now. Mr. Miyagi, isn't that him? Now, do you notice something? Did you did you notice something? <laughs> um, maybe not. Sato Escort Service ad. <laughs> yes. Right, right okay. above his karate ad. So yeah, Sato's Sato's working an escort service. So what you're telling me is clearly, do you think, do you think Yukie got? Well, no, because uh, Sato obviously probably had a falling out with her of sorts since they never got married when they were arranged to be married. Correct. Right. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, Sato. Wait, wait, hold on. It says it says Sato. Um, it's kind of blurry, but it says forty years official instructor of the U.S. military. Is that That's U.S. Correct. military? Yes. Okay. So yeah. he's been. Oh, hold on a minute. For 40 years, Sato has been the official instructor of the U.S. military. So since the end of World War II, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. The, ti- the timing makes sense. Hold on. I'm about to blow your mind. Are you ready? Okay. John Kreese was trained by Sato. Hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't he have been trained in the U.S., though, before he ever joined the U.S. military? No, because he was a, he was the karate tournament. He was a karate champion in... Vietnam in the military. Yeah, but that's Vietnam. That's not Japan. This is state people stationed in Japan. Uh, hold on a minute. Are you mean you mean to tell me that you don't want to go down this road of thinking that John Kreese, when he was first assigned in the military, was assigned in Okinawa or at Kadena Air Force Base in Okinawa Prefecture, and he learned karate from Sato. It's entirely possible, but I think his name would have got brought up at some point in connection. Why? I think we just discovered a major plot line for season three of Cobra Kai. I know, but, you, but what you're saying is, well, you know, that show is pretty nutty. So Stranger, stranger Things have happened, and I'm not talking about the show Stranger Things on Netflix. Okay. So they so they see the billboard here. Isn't that him? Hey. He's breaking a log. Can you break a log like that? Don't know. Never been attacked by tree. <laughs> For that's some foreshadowing there. Now we got Sato. Sato this thing here is crazy. Sato Real Sato Realty, Sato Construction Company, Sato yep. Bank. Sato right. owns the entire thing. Yes, yes, he does. Okay. But he doesn't have his honor. It just goes <laughs> he doesn't have proper honor. It just again, it just it just it just solidifies that when he gives when he gives Miyagi the deed to the village, 
He literally gives him the entire deed to Okinawa. It, you know what? I'm starting to think that the the deed to the village that that was just a tax write off, and he meant to do that all along. <laughs> it's all a big tax scam. It's all a, ta- it's all a tax scam. I mean, like Miyagi's gonna owe twenty million yen in fucking property taxes because of uh. No, never been attacked by a tree. Have been attacked by a tax collector. <laughs> IRS. His IRS yes. gonna show up. They make their way out. Yes. Now look at the acting job by Chosen here. Yeah. He's pretending to be like a nice guy. He's getting ready to do a big swerve. Oh. Classic, classic heel tactics. Yes. Start, starting with the unbutton to the navel shirt. Yep. Bring him in. That, Bring him that's in. actually probably Chosen's weakest shirt in the movie. It's just the plain white shirt. <laughs> he doesn't have any weak shirts. <laughs> the man He's is. Just gonna, he, he has a he has a clothing drawer full of power. <laughs> the man is a, the man is a dream. <laughs> He's like, he's like, he has a closet full of Sex Panther by Odeon. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to think that maybe we should fly to Seattle to his restaurant so you can have a tea ceremony with him. <laughs> <laughs> Who, the guy that, the guy they are that, falling in love. <laughs> the, guy that, the guy that played Sot, or uh, Chosen owns a freaking, owns a place in Seattle? Yes, he does. Oh. Yes. Okay. And I, and I may, I, on the north side of Seattle. There's a reason for me to go there now. <laughs> so they, they are very confused as to how a car has been arranged, but apparently, you know, they must have done the math of like, okay, there's a flight from L.A. coming in at this time, and Miyagi is going to be on it, and uh, that that must that must be what Miyagi is thinking at this point. Mm-hmm. But now we got to do the proper introductions. You speak very good English, Toguchi-san. Ah, in Okinawa, it helps to speak very good English. My friend and student, Daniel LaRusso. Thank you. Ah, you karate student, huh? Yeah. Oh, welcome to Okinawa. Thanks. I hope your stay here is a pleasant one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your stay here is a pleasant one. It's just, it's, it's the acting in this is so good because he's so, like, he's already just like, like, he's just ready to go. He's ready to kill him. If you notice, he gives him a very firm handshake. Extremely firm. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't want to like, let go. You know, we do not on the bet with coward. Like that's coming. What's on that necklace? Um, I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. It's like a circle. It's like it almost it's almost like a yin yang symbol, but I mean there's no way that Chosen has any yin yang in his no, life. He, do, no. he does not have like, you know, balance and uh, Absolutely peace. not. No, so it's not yin yang. I don't know. Alright, so let's, a bit with coward. let's let's continue because they'll get in the car. Oh, to your favorite thing coming up. This is your favorite scene part right here. No, it's not my favorite thing. No, but I enjoy, you love, I enjoy you love this. You die when this happens. When they when they go through the radio, because yeah. they don't... Yeah, here we go. 
<laughs> and I love how he wait, pause it. I love how he like looks back. He turns, at around, him. he turns around and nods, like, "Yep, we're putting on the fascination waltz." <laughs> you know this song, don't you, Daniel? Yes, you've heard this song while covered in spaghetti. How <laughs> fuck do you know this song, Chosen? We know everything in Okinawa. <laughs> Well, the, the the nice back and forth here. Uh, I I have to admit it, it. It starts out somewhat friendly, but then it goes to a sinister place. So I don't think Miyagi's going to be leaving five stars on the Uber or Lyft app of Okinawa no. at the time for this. No, not at yeah. all. <laughs> How you know I be here today? Uh, Okinawa, very small place. Daniel just wants him to change the channel. Uh, village south. Uh, why, please, we go north now? Some things have changed since you go, Miyagi-san. Uh, some things have not, eh? <laughs> I mean, I like how Daniel automatically already knows, like, trouble is afoot. Oh, oh well, at least it wasn't a Hyundai commercial this time. Yeah, Dan- Daniel knows the trouble is afoot when he hears that song. Like, yes. he he, de- he definitely has a mental block when he hears that particular recipes. song. Absolutely. So now we go to the next thing. Enter Sato, which now they've arrived at this airplane <laughs> hangar where, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna meet Sato. And Miyagi's going to see him for the first time in 40-plus years. All right. Well, let's get ready. The music changes. Hey, I didn't put this in as my destination, Mr. Uber driver. Can you pause real quick? Why is it? Why do all the cars look like they're in Cuba? <laughs> like they're like 1950s Cuba. <laughs> they're all like old cars. Like Okinawa is not Cuba. They had like modern day automation. <laughs> well, yeah, they. Uh, I think people there kind of don't like this movie and how it makes it look like this lawless place. When really it is freaking Japan in Japan in the mid eighties. I mean, you know, yeah. J- Japan as a country, you know, from an economic perspective, is pretty much at the height of their powers, right? Which no, no doubt driven by the uh, economic engine that is Sato. That's right. Some Out. good. <laughs> Out. I need. You know what? I. If they ever go to robot umpires in baseball, I want Chosen to be the guy who's the first base umpire. Out! Out! (laughs) A ground ball to shortstop. Nomar makes the play. Throws over to first. Out! (laughs) I don't know why I said Nomar. Not exactly the most timely reference there, but, you know, you you get my point. I get your point, yes. (laughs) Uh, thank you for that out (laughs) you gotta you gotta clip that and knew that as money in who's baseball 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 out (laughs) all right so so yeah we've driven you to this airplane hangar in the middle of nowhere and uh no it's in the background it says sato on the building to establish that he owns everything Now we got our other favorite line coming up in just a second. Yep. 
talking. No talking. No talking. No talking. Oh God. Yeah, you know, D- Daniel. He doesn't. He doesn't get the social norms of this country no. for whatever reason. He's just just gonna blurt out whatever's on his mind. What's going on? No talking. <laughs> well, he's an ignorant American. Well, yeah, he's from Newark. Yeah. <laughs> we already established. I, I'm, that. I'm surprised something like this hasn't happened to him in Newark. Calls yes. for his uncle. Uncle, uncle. And the door opens and slowly he walks out. Yep. And of course he's wearing a fucking suit. Like an episode of like the Brother Love Show. <laughs> Or the funeral parlor. Sato. So powered. You return. Well, that's a nice how do you do. <laughs> how you doing? Hey. Buy your soda after the game. <laughs> Holy shit, Sato. I haven't seen you in 40 years. You look fantastic. So powered. Now <laughs> oh, you return. They're up his ass, yeah. Wow. Okay. To settle affairs with father. And with me. <laughs> Sato, I no fight you. Then you die as you have lived. A coward. What a line. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Here we go. for your Here consideration. We go. You see your father. Then you see me. Me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have we checked to see if Miyagi blinks? He hasn't yet. He doesn't blink the entire movie. All right, well, we we got the camera on him right now. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't blink. Okay. No blinking. Oh, Daniel left something in the car. Just drops his book that's just entitled Okinawa. Where's Sato going? He just, like, gets in the car and they take off. Yep, they're leaving him. He's going home for the day. Yep. He's done. Yeah. Oh, Miyagi's like, ah. Uh. What are you going to do? Find a taxi. No, Wait. <laughs> if you look, he, he has a look that just goes, same shit, different day. <laughs> That's the look on his face. Like, what are you, you going to do? Find taxi, you asshole. What the hell do you think? We're not going to walk. Do do? Not, I don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> We're going to walk through the air base, yeah. Yeah, okay. Nothing. 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 Daniel should be like, what are you, some kind of a pussy? <laughs> <laughs> All this because you had to go and tell everybody you were going to marry Yuki? I... Why didn't you just marry her and, and, and move to Alaska? Daniel-san, nobody perfect. And that's it. Do you ever think about where in Alaska he would have moved to? Uh, I mean, it has to be Juno, right? Because either that or Anchorage, maybe? Well, I, I have another suggestion. Sitka, oh. the fishing uh, fishing community that I went to okay. last September, I think okay. that that's tailor-made tailor-made for Miyagi to go there. While you were there, were you scoping out places that Miyagi could have lived? 
amongst the well, locals. I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's a very it's a very small place, and but he he could he could have could have got up and work on the fishing docks. And uh, they had a Japanese restaurant there where uh, the wife and I we ate a lot of sushi. Oh, yeah. He could have been he could have been like one of those Alaskan king crab guys, right? Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Could have, could, have, could, have, could have sold it wholesale. Hey, let's uh, let's take a look at the uh, YouTube comments for this one. Oh. So this asshole doesn't even understand Hero Productions. Soto didn't. Yeah, it actually says Soto. Didn't waste any time picking a fight with Miyagi. He didn't give him a chance to shave, take a shower, or eat a meal. He didn't care that the plane trip was 11 hours from L.A. to Japan. As soon as he got off the plane, I'm going to whoop your ass because I've waited 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, aside from the guy calling him Soto, I agree completely with Heru Productions there. <laughs> Trey Tosti says, Soto is a good person in the heart because he knows right from wrong. He's just angry about his honor. Yeah, he's 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 very he's very much very much blinded by by all of the honor honor garbage. Cage Maru says there's always hints about Sato and Miyagi are more than just best friends, like they are actually brothers. Or Sato got adopted by Miyagi's father. Oh, I thought he was going to say that they were gay together or something. I know that's what I. That he's really been... he's angry that he was in love with Yukie because you should be in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> you be in love with me. You'll be in love with me. Oh, God. Maurice St. Pierre says there needs to be a Miyagi Sato prequel movie. I want to go back deeper into that backstory, LOL. A lot more interesting than watching Daniel. Six months of training, fight chosen, entire life training by masters, LOL. Mm. That would be a nice prequel, but I still like my idea where we do completely independent of everything. We'll set it in the late 70s, Okinawa, where Sato is Polly. And we basically we make the Okinawan Goodfellas that has been needed all this time. <laughs> I was thinking the other day that it actually would be a pretty good movie if we saw like Miyagi the early years, and it was like once it's like you know what happened to him after he served in World War Two, <laughs> like just because I want to see I want to see how he eventually ends up as the uh, you know the handyman at the. At the what was it the Crescent Moon Hotel condominiums? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the uh, no South Seas. Yeah, I just want to see how he ends up there. <laughs> see if he really was a poonhound back in the day, you know. Beavis Chipotle says Sato is an intimidating dude. He looks like he got to start shaking down shop owners and collecting loan sharking debts. What, uh, I could I could buy that. What do, what do, what do, what do I know about? What do I know about loan <laughs> What do I know about the fishing industry? Mm. Joe Whitehead says, how did Soto, there's that name again, how did Soto know when they'd be arriving? Well, how many freaking flights from L.A. could there possibly be? They probably had connect. Sato probably owns the freaking airline or has an interest in it, so he probably could find out that information. <laughs> you think You think Soto is like the, if somebody's doing it on their iPhone and it's the spell check, <laughs> that's why it's Soto. Yeah. I, I I I think I think I think that has to be the case. So I I I, I think that that's that's probably good enough for today. We got down, we got up, we got funky, and we got bad. <laughs> I just wanted to play that drop again. Sorry, it's <laughs> a good drop. Well, well, thank well, you, Pete. <laughs> well, vo- volume nine was firmly middle of the pack. 
for yeah. all of the ones that we've watched so far, and and we got to do a little bit more Karate Kid too. So that that that, sure. that sounds good. Now I I don't know what I'm doing for Greetings from Valentine proper this week, but I do know that Volume Eleven is coming up next week on GFA Live. Okay, and I uh, and Keithy will be joining me for that. And please. If you enjoy our our hybrid podcast of Best of the World Wrestling Federation and Karate Kid Part 2 analysis, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever fine podcast reviews are accepted, although it seems like it's only Apple, because it provides what is known as social proof that you are enjoying and listening, enjoying listening to this podcast, I should say. So tune in next time for another exciting episode of GFA Live. You see, father, then you see me.